This season of Running From Cops contains some pretty rough scenes of policing on television, as well as audio of people in distressing situations which you might find upsetting. There is also a fair amount of bad language. Thanks for listening. Episode 1. The One-Celled Amoeba. I'm going to begin this story at the end of it. Or almost the end. Here, in Spokane, Washington, where my producer Henry and I are in hour three of a Marathon City Council meeting. I'm going to talk about uh, the rumored tax increase on firearms and ammunition. Jealous much? Some might say local government meetings are boring and really long. I've been waffling on what I was going to speak on. I had several issues. I would just like to read. On the other hand, some say they're really long and boring. It's the Ten Commandments have been taken out of our laws. We have laws in the Ten. We have the Constitution. But this one is about to get good, because the debate we are here for is up next on the docket. Go to C35593. Ordinance C-35593 relating to reality-based police show program filming enacting a new chapter 10.56 to the Spokane Municipal Code. Let me translate. They are about to vote on whether or not to effectively kick the reality show cops out of Spokane. In other words, after eight seasons of cops cameras in town shooting this... You are under arrest. Do you understand? For what? For failing to stop when signaled by the police. And this... I was not naked. I don't think that's really up for debate. And this. Get down the ground! I'm going to hurt you, buddy! Some Spokaneites are wondering if their police and those cameras should be working together at all. So I want to reiterate, I just want to finish by reiterating what... The crackdown on shows like Cops was Council President Ben Stuckert's baby. That's him. He thought the vote would be a piece of cake. Who's going to miss Cops? This is the strangest piece of legislation that I've ever worked on. He was wrong. I have never, ever drawn the Twitter ire of reality show watchers across the entire country. But I guess there's a first time for everything. So let me be clear. Cops is a television show. It's not law enforcement. Filming somebody where you make a profit is not a right. Right now, you might be thinking to yourself, cops. Cops. Is that show still even on? You have no idea. Due to the graphic nature of this program, viewer discretion is advised. Cops has been on television for three decades. There have been over 30 seasons, over a thousand episodes, with a new one premiering each week still. Cops is one of the longest-running primetime shows in the history of television, scripted or unscripted. Longer than The Simpsons, Law & Order, all of them. The format couldn't be simpler. Follow real police officers interacting with, and usually arresting, real citizens. Stop! Right there! Stop! In fact, Cops was arguably the first real reality show. It premiered three years before The Real World. Don't move! Don't move! Stay on the ground! Stay on the ground! And 15 years before The Apprentice, the show that reimagined Donald Trump as the definition of success. What you try to, what are you trying to climb out of the house for? Because, huh? man, I see you pulling over people and all this crazy... Now, 30 years after its birth, Cops is the great-great-grandmother of reality TV, just sitting there, rocking back and forth, and the whole family wondering, how is she still alive? But that's Grandma's big secret. Not only is she alive, 
she's everywhere. Consider this. Cop still airs a new show every week, but it's also in syndication on cable, where it reruns in blocks, episode after episode after episode. On some days, it is on 16, sometimes 20 times. It was on 70 times in one recent week. A constant drumbeat about policing in America. Something else to consider? These guys. I found this video on YouTube. It was made pretty recently. It's two kids who recorded themselves playing cops. Not cops and robbers, but cops. Oh, there's the suspect right there. We're gonna chase him down. There may be 10, 11. They're in a big field in the country. One kid is driving around in an ATV, that's his cop car, and he's chasing his buddy, who is the suspect. Get down on the ground! Mimicking perfectly the language and the cadence and the tactics of the police on a show that was launched before these kids were even born. Get down on the ground now! In fact, these kids were born around season 19 of Cops. So, um, why were you running tonight? Huh? Why are we running? So whatever message Cops is sending? On your knees. Hey! Stop resisting! Message received. And I don't want to make it all horror movie creepy, but... Bad boy, bad boy, what you going to do? Just Google kids singing the Cops theme song. You'll lose your mind. Here, in Spokane, one of over 150 cities whose police departments have worked with the show, some in this community have had enough. This cycle, this parade of people of color, people with disabilities, people in poverty, is not something our community needs. I believe it is wrong to present as entertainment the actions of people who may be having the worst day of their lives. And others, they want more of what they see as the truth, of what their police have to deal with every day. The shows do justice to our law enforcement officers. These gentlemen are under fire. Show the people what we are. Don't be afraid of the cameras. I'm not. Now, I don't like to brag, but I have watched a lot of cops in my day. Way before this project started, it's why I'm so interested. Ballpark, I've seen maybe 500 episodes, no judgments, please. I wouldn't call it a guilty pleasure. It's certainly not a classy one. I've always watched cops with two minds. Half my brain is captivated. It's cheap thrills, and it's a look at a world you don't see a lot of on television. But the other half of my brain? The gears are turning. How are they allowed to do this? To turn policing, something that couldn't be more serious, into entertainment? I'm always looking to see the seams of it, the cut and paste and trying to figure out just how real is what we're watching here. Over the past 18 months, we investigated cops. We meet the people who make it. Cops is just what it is. It's just, you can't question it. It is what it is. We talk to the officers who've been on the show. I went from having five guys to 25 guys overnight, arresting six, seven, eight guys a month, or arresting over 300 people a month. I mean, it was crazy. We tracked down the suspects who had their worst moments broadcast for everyone to see. It's only one-sided, they see one side. So all they see is that their taxpayers' money is, is going to pay to rescue some junkie that they probably think in their head isn't worth the shit. We break down the policing you see on cops, repeated over and over. 
Put your arms out. Oh my. Put your arms out. Okay. Okay. You can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. That one right there is a point. And we go back to Spokane because they are not just upset about cops. The cameras from a new policing reality show have shown up that's even more extreme and that you might know nothing about, but it was the most DVR'd show of 2018. So someone's watching. They have came to my mom's house with the dog, with the cameras, beating down the door at 1.32 o'clock in the morning. Like I'm some pistol-toting, dope-dealing, assault rifle-carrying, badass bitch. Over the next six episodes, we are going to do for a dumb reality show what I think maybe we should have been doing all along. We are going to take cops seriously. I'm Dan Tabersky, and this is Headlong, Season 3, Running from Cops. We're rolling right now, but just to let you know, uh, this is totally edited. If you want to restate anything, you're welcome to. Okay. Um, what do you know about the project? Nothing. So basically, it all starts uh, with my unnatural interest in the show Cops. Okay. Um, so why don't we just start? Uh, tell me your name and who you are. Uh, Stephen Chow. Um, I was at the time when the show was initiated. I was the executive in charge of paying for and putting on the show at uh, 20th Century Fox. When you're responsible for something in popular culture that people kind of crap on, you can either waver and waffle, or you can double down. Chow showed up to our interview wearing a cop sweatshirt. I would say that in the history of television, this is a pretty grand statement, there is no simpler, better show than the format of cops. Stephen Chow doubles down. It's a one-celled amoeba, and you cannot make another one-celled amoeba. It doesn't exist. You can... Search high and low for any topic you want, from driver's ed to girls in Laguna Beach to whatever. There will never be a one-celled amoeba like cops. The story of cops starts in Hollywood in 1987. Let me help you get there. The Cosby Show is the number one show on TV. Top grossing movie of the year, Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> That's a baby. It's a baby. Of course it's a baby. We triple check that one, by the way. And at this point, the term reality TV just flat out does not exist. My boss, Rupert Murdoch, bought 20th Century Fox, and I was like, just let me start at the bottom and make television shows, and I wasn't getting my chance. Chow's budgets are a fraction of what the other guys have. So sitcoms, hour-long dramas, a no-go from the start. Whatever Chow makes has to be splashy, and it's got to be cheap. Again, the context is I'd never made a television program in my life, and I was just oozing with ambition at that particular time. What were you looking to make? Uh, me? You know, I was just trying to make myself succeed in some way. I just, I really wanted to succeed in Hollywood. <laughs> it sounds like you were very focused on the success part. Uh, I, I, I'm saying that like I it's would, like super unusual in Hollywood. No, I mean, I was just really hungry. Yeah. And I just wanted to make a dent. And then Charles says he has this idea. I had seen in the post office, there was a 10 most wanted list, which was really ragged and sad. And everybody knew about it. But, you know, those faces on the post office never changed over decades. And I was like, I bet if I put those faces on TV and told a story that, you know, I could catch a criminal. And I again, it was just this stupid, naive thought. Which in television speak means let's make a pilot. 
Starting tonight, America just may be a safer place. America's most wanted. Television's first weekly manhunt is a new weapon in the battle against crime. They call it America's most wanted. They used cheesy reenactments and hair-raising sound effects and all the bells and whistles they could to scare the crap out of the viewer. David James Roberts, sentenced to death for the arson murders of the Patrick family, who returned home to find him inside waiting for them. And the whole time hitting home, this guy, he's still out there. During transport, Roberts used a Derringer to overpower guards and fled. And the biggest gimmick? A phone line, where viewers could call in their tips and ostensibly help the FBI catch the guy. Fox throws it on the air one night in February, not even nationally, just in seven cities, just to see how it plays. And I didn't have really a time horizon, which is to say I wanted to make the show and I hope somewhere in the first year I'd catch uh, one criminal, you know, <laughs> assuming that they'd let me stay on the air, but I figured I could do it. And How long did it take you to catch a criminal? Uh, four days. Boom. Caught the most wanted guy on the FBI's Holy most wanted smokes. list. And we're like shit, is it that easy? It's like, it was unimaginable. It was just unimaginable that that would work. And the ratings were amazing. America's Most Wanted depicted crime on television in a way that was more visceral and more extreme than ever before. And it was very on brand for the late 1980s. In every neighborhood and among every group, people ask the same questions. This is Rudy Giuliani when he was running for mayor of New York in 1989. What can we do about the rampant crime that is threatening to destroy our city? The plague of drugs, which is ruining the lives of an entire generation. Crime was high in the late 1980s compared to now, but fear of crime was even higher. And confidence in the police was polling at historic lows. Here's Ronald Reagan. 53% of our citizens say they're afraid to walk the streets alone at night. Crime is an American epidemic. America's Most Wanted tapped into that fear. And it solidified a belief in Stephen Chow's head. I knew that television could be a modern-day form of justice. Now, Stephen Chow is looking for his next big show. Only this time, he's a hitmaker, a success like three men and a baby level success. Enter cops, stage left. So I I got a lot of stray cats coming into the office at that stage, and one of the stray cats was John Langley. And I said, Steve, you wouldn't know a good show if it slapped you in the face. This is John Langley, the co-creator and producer of Cops. He tells the story a little differently. I'm not gonna come in and do a, a monkey dance for you again, forget it. Because I, at that point, I'd already pitched this all over town. I was sick and tired of being rejected. And I said, I'm just going to stick to my guns, screw them all. But Langley goes to pitch Chow that new show idea anyway. And to do it, he brings with him a video he had shot of a drug bust in Broward County, Florida. The whole deal. Warrant served, stunned perps, piles of coke. You have the right to remain silent. And he showed me this, and I, my mind was blown. And I was like, wow, I, I'm in love. I can't, I don't, I'm speechless now. And John, in this very casual way, said to me, I can do this for you every week. And he goes, I'm the pizza man. I deliver. <laughs> and I looked at him, I said, 
Super lame. So <laughs> it was like he was so calm about it because I deliver. While the idea of cops seems really obvious today, 30 years ago, it was completely radical. You have to erase everything you know about cops and take yourself back to this virgin, pure moment in time where you knew nothing about cops. That was 1987. The closest that you had ever seen would have been, you know, Kojak on TV or Hill Street Blues, you know, some really ridiculous drama show. Hill Street Blues at, in the 1980s was like, oh, it's so amazing. It's, it's the way cops really are. Let's be a good cop out there. Let's do our job before the bad guys do theirs, because it's damn sure they're going to be doing theirs. But it's all made up. It's fiction. The idea behind cops was that they would, for the first time, show real policing, doing the real thing. Well, not the real, real thing, but the craziest, seediest, most action-packed parts of policing. Do you remember seeing the first cut of the pilot? If I thought you couldn't sleep on America's Most Wanted, you were like out of your skin when you saw this one. Get on the ground! Get on the ground! Get on the ground, man! Get on the ground! This is the pilot, and it sincerely is a horror show. It was like, have you ever had orange juice concentrate as opposed to orange juice? It's like this sludge that goes down your throat and it's just, it's un unrelatable to, it's, it's, this was so concentrated. Because it was just literally too much. It was too much. So they tone it down a little, taking out a murder scene with blood on the wall, but leaving in cops putting suspects in headlocks. Police! Get out! And SWAT teams busting down doors. And foot pursuits with lines like this. Stop, I'll shoot you in the back! He didn't shoot. But it was all framed as, you know, this is just what police have to do to protect us from crime. They slapped the pilot on the air, and it's a hit. Like, I was pretty proud of America's Most Wanted, but when I saw cops, I'm like, I'm just not worthy of this show. This show does it all. And even critics, with their 1989 eyeballs, they were dazzled by what they saw as the realness of it all. USA Today's headline, Cops is Real and Riveting. The Seattle Post-Intelligencer, Cops shows police for what they really are, humans. San Diego Union-Tribune, Cop stories don't get more real than this. That impression of realness, it all hinged on one thing, access. The police allowing the cops' cameras in, giving them access to film police doing their job that no TV show had ever gotten before. And John Langley, he convinced police it would be a win-win for both of them. There was an adversarial relationship between the media or the news and police because all they would do is report on malfeasance, corruption, whatever went wrong. They never did any stories about what went right. Cops would circumvent the news. They figured out that if a TV show works with the police instead of against them, you get amazing footage and riveting television. And in turn, the police get portrayed the way they want to be portrayed. That formula would keep cops on the air for the next 30 years, and counting, becoming by just about every measure the most successful reality show in history. And until iPhones and YouTube arrived, the dominant cultural depiction of how real policing works in America. How did it feel to be on the side of the police? 
Did you have mixed feelings about potentially not showing the other point of view, which may make you see police in a different way? Um, I was never conflicted. and I never thought that police and police brutality was a big issue in my life. I never really saw that. I mean, it's a theme that you have. Uh, Is it? Yeah, it's the second time you've asked. Like, The truth is, nothing that these cops did suggested to me that they were that they were wrong in any sense. I mean, I you know, they were getting drug dealers and domestic disputes and stuff, so I I thought they were doing their job, but no, I didn't have any conflict thinking I'm on the other side or something. No, that that wasn't my conflict. No. See, oh, here's the other thing, which is like, okay, you know, you have all these kind of I don't know, pinko liberal, sorry, uh, kind of view of police departments or whatever. It's like Cops Russia was the saddest they went and shot a couple episodes of Cops in Russia that first season. You go, you go work in some other country and you see how cops are over there. And it's like, eh, it's pretty responsible over here. So your, so your answer to, to criticizing the police is, well, we're not Russia. Yeah, it's like you got it good in this country. I have no complaints. So you can pursue whatever you want. I just I personally haven't seen enough to get upset. Cops is just what it is. It's just, you can't question it. It is what it is. I can question it. Well, of course you do. It's now the third time. You can over-intellectualize it, but you shouldn't. I mean, you can attach bias to it, but that's kind of in your head. I mean, mostly. I just want to pause here for a second to tell you about Stitcher Premium. If you can't wait to hear more episodes of Running From Cops, you can actually binge the entire season right now, ad-free. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com slash headlong and use promo code headlong. Okay, back to the show. I want you to imagine for a moment that I am a drag queen. They say your drag name is the name of your first pet, plus the street you grew up on, which makes me Frisky 169th Street. I just got off stage. Frisky had another killer show. I totally slayed, but I'm beat. I sit in front of that big mirror circled by those Hollywood light bulbs, and I look at myself and the illusion I created. And then I peel off a false eyelash, then the other. I wipe my lipstick off with a Kleenex. I pull off the earrings. Their clip-ons, I take off the wig. Little by little, revealing how the reality you just saw on that stage, it wasn't real at all. Some illusions are made up not of one big trick, but a million little ones. And once you start to break it down, it's amazing how many sleights of hand go into passing something off as real. We'll start here. This is Cops 2013. Season 26, episode 14. Every 30-minute episode of Cops has three segments, three different interactions between the police and citizens. This one here is the third in the show, and it happens in Gwinnett County, Georgia. Like pretty much all cop segments, it starts with meeting a cop in their patrol car. Driving by this church back here, uh, it's a closed church uh, for now, the time. I uh, saw a vehicle back there, uh, possibly somebody standing outside of it, so we're going to go check that out and see what they're doing. 
This one is senior officer Paul Tremblay. We know this because of the lower third graphic on the screen. Hey, how you doing? Great, how are you? Good, what are you guys doing here? Just hanging out. Just hanging out? Okay, well, it's, the church and it's closed. Okay. Uh, you guys have your IDs with you? Anything illegal, drugs, anything like that at all? No? Okay. So they hop out of the car, and her boyfriend tells the officer, full disclosure. I'm on, I'm on felony misdemeanor bond. Felony misdemeanor bond, so? Yeah, my felony charge is possession of cocaine. Possession of cocaine? Okay. When's the last time you used? It's been about, it'll be 30 days and eight days from now. 30 days and eight days. Okay, so now we're all getting suspicious, right? I got you. Um, would you mind if I check to make sure there's nothing illegal in the car? Yeah. Okay. The cop starts rooting around in the front seat, past the half-drunk soda cups and empty chips bags on the floorboard. He's awfully nervous while he's speaking with us, so we're going to take a look in here. It makes me think there might be something in here. And he pretty much immediately finds what he's looking for. This right here, crack cocaine, has a almost like a cake consistency to it, so we're going to nick test a portion of that and see, test a small amount. So he picks up a sample and he does what's called a nick test. It's a roadside drug test. If it ends up being cocaine, it'll have a blue or a blue over pink change to it. And that would be cocaine. The blue hue on the pink on the bottom, that's positive for cocaine. He walks over to the kids who are sitting on the ground just waiting for this to be over. And he shows them the test. All right, does that not look like cocaine? What is that? Cocaine. On the floorboard, or you were sitting. But both of you tell me that it's neither one of yours. No, it's not. Then there's the arrest. This time for possession and loitering. Oh, I cannot believe this is happening. I'm really blowing my mind the fact that this is going. Yeah, you're gonna be placed under arrest for possession of cocaine. Just go ahead and place your hands behind your back, okay? And scene. It goes to commercial. Now, I don't like to toot my own horn. But not only have I watched a lot of cops, I also used to make reality shows for a living. Mostly kid shows and game shows, silly stuff. But I know my way around a reality show edit room. And as far as reality shows go, cops seems pretty real. In that segment we just watched, there is no music, there's no narrator. It's just edited down observational filming of police at work. That's what I've always liked about it. And it's that style that makes it so believable to the casual viewer. It is what it is, until it's not. A lot of people say that when you, if you call a police officer a pig, yeah. he gets offended. But the problem is they don't know what pig means. <laughs> and a pig means pride, integrity, and guts. Yeah. So you can call me a pig all day long. Yeah. I'm care. going to pass on that offer. Thank okay. you. This is John Burgess. He worked in narcotics in Florida in the 70s and 80s. Did you always want to be a police officer? Was that always at the plan? I don't know. It seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> really? It would never seem like a good idea to me. It seems dangerous and difficult and thankless. Well, it, is, it is dangerous and it's difficult and it's very thankless. But he loved it and the law. And after 14 years, he went to law school. He's been a defense attorney ever since here in Buford, Georgia, where he met. And it's where he was retained by that young woman in that cops episode that we just watched. I, I had a uh, client said that she doesn't do drugs. She doesn't doesn't do cocaine, uh, but I represent a lot of people charged with crimes. And, you know, it's not that I don't believe them. I just follow the evidence. And when he saw his client on cops? 
just looked like every other cop's episode where somebody was busted for cocaine. I thought she was guilty. Having been in law enforcement, and I'm very fond of the police, and I'm very pro-police, but I just thought it was a regular episode. Um, so did her family, and so did uh, the district attorney, and so did everybody else. Until that is a secondary test on that drug sample that was taken on the scene came back from the lab. The cocaine, or alleged cocaine, came back negative from the state lab that it was not cocaine. In fact, it was nothing. They couldn't figure out what it was, but it was certainly not a drug. In fact, that roadside drug test in that episode, they do them all the time on cops. Pink is no coke, blue is coke, easy peasy. But what they never say on cops, and which I didn't know myself until now, is that in fact, those tests are notoriously inaccurate. The Department of Justice says they shouldn't be used as evidence in court. Pretty much every jurisdiction in the country says they are inadmissible at trial, including Gwinnett County, Georgia, where that young woman and her boyfriend were arrested. But when that test pops up as blue on cops, they never say, well, we'll see how the official test comes back. They say, And that would be cocaine. But it wasn't. And it makes you wonder how often something presented on cops as open and shut isn't. One month after those test results came back, that episode of Cops aired anyway, showing their arrest. And the wrong kind of local fame became too much for the young woman in that video. Yeah, and in fact, she ended up, over a period of a few months, <clears throat> moving out of Gwinnett County, where she grew up, several miles away. You put this young lady through this, for what? To film a damn TV show. And nobody cares. Uh, Langley Productions, and Mr. Langley himself, uh, has been able to, to get a niche and make a boatload of money. Later this season, we are going to hear from John Burgess again, because he didn't just drop it at that false positive. He dug deeper and found out things about the way that Cops is made, how it's edited, and the police participate, that he and I will never look at that show the same way again. Do you ever, do you ever watch Cops, by the way? I used to watch it all the time. Piss me off so bad now, I don't watch it. But I used to watch it all the time. Really? When I got involved in this case, I I can't even stand to hear the music. Could you before? I still I I I watch cops all the time, and I can't stand that music anyway. Well, I always thought it was pretty cool, but. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a surprise uh, to me to you know be contacted about research that's uh, over twenty years old, but. This is Michael Hallett, a professor of criminology at the University of North Florida. Not a whole lot of cops experts lying around these days, but Hallett is one of them. He studied the show in the 90s after it first came out. When we started asking questions about cops, we started with him. So when you see the show, when you watch cops, what do you see? What I see is a police department as, an, as a political organization trying to get control of the message. What's actually happening here is not the presentation of reality, but the presentation of a very narrowly framed, pre-negotiated, highly controlled version of reality that is favorable to some parties and unfavorable to others. In what ways is COPS not just a TV show, but a tool for law enforcement to manage their own public image? Just how involved are the police in producing the very show they're the subjects of? Unbeknownst to most viewers, police departments have full editorial control of all the footage that gets broadcast, ultimately. 
that is not only unreal, but is also a framing of the problem that is favorable to the framers. How far does that deal go? How much are police crafting their own message? A message played for hours in a row every day, absorbed by viewers to the point where they reenact it in grassy backyards. Get down on the ground now! And who will one day become adults or maybe even police officers themselves? On your knees. Hey! Stop resisting! It was framed to appeal to a working class white audience who are the primary viewers of the show cops and brought along with it a framing of the crime problem that matched the predilections and worldview of that audience. Have you done a content analysis of the race of the offender, race of the victim, race, uh, you know, broken it down by type of crime? I can do that. You can do that. It can be done, certainly. And that would be worth doing. Okay. Now, I don't like to butter my own biscuit, but what if we did that? What if me and my producers did watch hundreds of episodes of Cops till our eyes bled, watching this time not as a TV show, but as evidence, and writing down what we saw? Over 2,500 police interactions, over 68,000 data points. Who would we find tends to be the suspect on Cops compared to real life? What bad or flat-out illegal policing is repeated over and over 15 times a day and presented as good policing? Just how real is the longest-running reality show on TV? Well, that's the kind of thing that you need to do because you sitting here saying, look, man, I'm an objective. <laughs> look, I've watched over 500 episodes of Cops, and I can tell you I'm not biased. That's not the question, brother. The question is, who has control of the framing of the crime problem in this so-called reality television venue, and it's not you, the viewer? This season on Headlong, Running from Cops. And I'm like a deer in the headlight. I'm just like looking up like, I know this is not cops, but it looked like cops. Hey, get down, bud. Hey, hands on the hill right here. Do they accurately portray the profession of policing? I don't think they endeavor to do that. Okay. You're arresting me for nothing. I have no You saw the cameras. I have no recollection of that whole time frame, gentlemen. What did you have to give up for access? There was no quid pro quo. I, I just, why? Why would somebody want to hurt my child like that? It shows what we're dealing with. It shows what society's dealing with. They're showing my face to millions of people across the nation, and they're getting ratings, and I'm not getting a damn thing. Running from Cops is produced by Henry Malofsky and me, I'm Dan Taberski. Our associate producers are Courtney Harrell and Diane Hodson. Joel Lovell is our editor. And thanks to Leela Day for editorial input. Our music is by Mark Orton and John Hancock. Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky are the executive producers at Pineapple Street. The team at Topic Studios is Lee Tal Malad and Lisa Leingang. And before you forget, if you're enjoying the show, please take a minute to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot, and it's also a nice way to let other people discover the show. Thanks. If you are listening to this and you were on Cops, we would love to talk to you. We've talked to some already, but we would love to hear from more of you about what your experiences have been with the show. 
Call us at 209-2-ON-COPS and leave a voicemail. That's 209-266-2677, or you can email us at copspodcast at gmail.com. You can find Running From Cops on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us and check out more podcasts from Topic at topic.com slash podcasts. Running From Cops is the third season of our documentary anthology series, Headlong. The first two seasons are available right now for free at headlongpodcast.com and your favorite podcast apps. 